Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. And well, I wish I had more movies to talk about this time, but like we were just saying off mic, the holidays, I feel like there was a time when the holidays were like, all right, I'm off work, I can catch up. But I just have so many social engagements. Well, to me, it's like, so... So many social engagements, so little time. Ugh, I don't like this character. Actually, you know what? I love him. You should be him more Wait, often. no, what's that from? Uh, I don't even know. Uh. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, uh, I, I found myself with some time, and so I've, I've seen a fair number of movies, but... Uh, you know, I am now back on a school schedule. It's from Raising Arizona. Oh, okay. <laughs> John Goodman says it. <laughs> uh, I'm now back on a school schedule. Oh, you're back at school. Uh, by which I mean, uh, school doesn't start for me for a while. So while I still am like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like driving for Lyft and doing other things like bring in some money during that time. Um, like I don't have anywhere to be for a while so for me like now that christmas is done i'm gonna have a lot more time and then that'll drop off quite a bit because i'm teaching a lot in the next semester yeah i thought it'd be you know i was like i thought it'd be the same but a you and i uh record a lot of episodes <laughs> i remember i was i just the other night i was like meeting up with a friend we like, hadn't seen each other in a while having having a drink and he was like so you guys do three episodes a week and i was like yeah, like I don't think of it like that. Yeah, because we do our movie journal and our episode of the week usually the same night, yeah. and then we do the patreons and blocks like once a month. So I don't think about it like that. But yeah, we do three episodes a week. There was a time when we did a single episode a week. Like yeah. we would get together, talk for an hour, have a good time, and then that was the end of it. Yeah, now we do three episodes a week. So like, just the commitment to recording this podcast is keeping me from watching movies. Yeah. Uh, also, in addition to it, like. You know, Christmas just happened, but like we've got Hanukkah. I have to, you know, get to go with my sure. wife's family. My uh, nephew's birthday mm-hmm. uh, is is coming up. There's just uh, a lot of stuff, and then it, of course New Year's. It really is. Uh, you 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 hear about people like in the film industry who basically say. I don't have time to watch movies. I'm too busy making them. And for a while I was incredulous about that, but it's like, well now I'm too busy talking about movies on the podcast and teaching people about movies to watch them, which seems like after a while that's going to catch up to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's, uh, let's just start talking about movies. What what did you watch? I watched finally, uh, Ryan Johnson's knives out, which I, David, you know, I love a good whodunit. Yes. And this is a great whodunit. Well, because I, I won't, I don't want to give any of the twists away because they're so delicious. I love them so much. Yeah. It's beautifully plotted, beautifully structured. I really, I really adore it. That's, yeah, there's so little you can say. But yeah. at the, the, uh, you weren't on the Tiff Rapid episode. We were talking with, well, I was talking with Angie Han about, about this because at the QA at Tiff, when I saw mm. Knives, Knives Out, uh, Ryan Johnson was, making the case that his movie both is and isn't actually a whodunit. It has a whodunit set up. Right. And then in ways we can't describe it very, it pretty early on it deviates reveals, from yeah. the whodunit, the classic whodunit uh, uh, formula, but then in a way, way you don't see coming comes back around. To it. The, yeah. Uh, it's, it's really ingeniously structured. And it just, it's one of those things. I, I love the whole cast. Uh, I think everybody's doing great work. I think it's very funny. I'll be ta- when we get to our individual achievements episode. I'll be talking more about some oh. of the sp- specifics of the okay. film. Um, 
But one thing that I'll say, and this this is something that echoes uh, a sentiment that you've said in the past about like a James Gunn or, or whatever. Um, you know, so many Star Wars fans got so angry about The Last Jedi, stupidly, of course. <laughs> and, um, and there was a time when Ryan Johnson was going to be like doing his own Star Wars trilogy that was kind of an offshoot. Oh, right. Uh, and while that undoubtedly would have been interesting, uh, I can't help but note that the rise of Skywalker has been released. That is, and it's clearly trying to undo what Ryan Johnson did and just give star Wars fans, everything they think they want. And some of them are eating it up like children with candy. And while that's happening, Ryan Johnson has missed that part of it. I think that speaks to whom I follow on Twitter that I've only, I only follow like critic types. So I've only seen Uh, complaints. Yeah. I haven't seen the people who were happy about the yeah they change. because they just got exactly you know I hate to put it this way but uh, you know the baby got its bottle so of course it's going to be very happy um, but I also just look at at this idea of like yeah while a subpar Star Wars movie is coming out uh, Ryan Johnson is on his way to probably be nominated for an Oscar for screenplay and continue to reimagine genre Hmm. the way he always has. Like I'm so much more interested in what he is doing as an artist than what don't get me wrong. I love a lot of what he brought to star Wars. Um, but as has been established, like there's only so much that someone can do within an, uh, that uh, only so much an auteur can do within an established franchise, uh, before they are either the studio or the fans turn on them and just undercut them constantly. And it, to me, it's just like, okay, you can have your, your completely at this point, forgettable, unremarkable franchise. I'm going to go over here and make this really energetic, exciting, funny, yeah. And I don't know. I, I really, I really responded to the film and I'm very, and it just got me excited about Ryan Johnson. I will say something that you had mentioned about the way that politics is incorporated into the film. Part of me feels like either do more or, or, or none. Yeah. It, you know, that's, it's, that was my only, I still think the movie's a blast. Yes. Uh, but that, might, that was my only complaint on the TIFF episode was that it feels like it, it's just like, just doing enough to get some accolades for mentioning politics, uh, yeah. not actually committing to anything. Yeah. It uh, just, it just feels like, yeah. And I'm not, a, I mean, in its own way, Gosford park incorporates a lot of, you know, cl- discussions on class and that sort of thing. Um, and so I'm not opposed to, to the infusion of politics into certainly genre films. That's the big part of genre movies, at least the stuff that I like about, about them. Um, but I feel like, yeah, either, either dive in or just stay out. Don't like dip a toe in and expect me to like congratulate you. Two questions. Do yeah. you think Jaden Martell's character is Ryan Johnson's response to the like trolls that he got after making last Jedi? <laughs> Do you think that's intentionally uh, that that's who he's referencing? I, I don't know if that, I'll be honest. I don't know if that character is much of a reference to anything because he just, I wanted more from him. Yeah, he's not in it very much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and the other question to go, call back something we talked about in the podcast like weeks ago, uh, Lionsgate's decision to push Daniel Craig as lead actor. He's a supporting. Uh, Ani Darmus is the lead of the. She's the. That's she's a hundred percent the lead. I'll say this: in the world of movie whodunits, this is this is an old uh, this is an old argument. All right, uh, Albert Finney 
nominated for lead actor for Murder on the Orient Express. And while he is the constant character and he figures everything out, he doesn't really have an arc or anything like that. He's not that dynamic, nor is Daniel Craig. But at the same time, when it comes to something like this, like lead ultimately is just like, all right, whose side are we on? And in this case, we're on on Adarmas' side and then second to that is is Daniel Craig. But I'd say... Yeah. Third to I, that is uh, Noah Sagan's side. <laughs> who See, is that? The, not Lucky Stanfield. The oh, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like, sort of the goofy fanboy. Fan yeah. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm fine with them pushing uh, him as lead just because, like, again, that's not that an uncommon of an idea. But I could also definitely see an argument made that everybody except Anadarmus is uh, supporting. All right. Uh, you got. Oh, yes. Go. OK, so I watched a uh, an animated film on Netflix called Klaus. Oh, yeah. I've heard this is good. I love it. Uh, I'll say this from a story standpoint, it's fine. Uh, and it falls victim to a lot of the stuff that animated movies do these days where it's just the, the, the way the characters talk is a little bit too anachronistic that it doesn't bother me that much, but like when they play that for humor and it just, I don't know, it just exhausts me after a certain point. Like once you've seen one, you've seen them all where like, okay, they're all trying to kind of capture a Shrek vibe. Okay. Um, that said, the story is strong, the character work is strong, and it is beautiful. Okay. Um, it is, you know, a lot, a lot of people have talked a lot about it being a, a, a 2D film, um, or oh, hand, it, hand-drawn. It yeah. Oh, cool. I think there's obvious computer uh, enhancements, but, so it's, it's, whether it be hand drawn or, or computer animated, fully computer animated, like you can still have beautiful movies either way. Uh, but this one, it's beautiful in a way that I, as a German expressionist fan, okay. uh, really love because just the way the, the buildings are drawn, the way these jagged snowy cliffs are, are drawn. It's just, everything just looks so heightened and, uh, and just the, the tone of the film and the tone of, of like the little town that this character goes to and the woods that, uh, Klaus lives in. Um, it's just, it, it's just done with such a sure hand and I really loved seeing it. Uh, and as strange as this may sound, um, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound like a, an old curmudgeon or anything like this. It's not that I'm upset, but it is, I, I, I wish it had gotten a theatrical release because mm. I, f- I feel like it, it probably could have and would have done well. And it's, I'm all, as you know, I'm always, I'm a big fan this, I'm a big fan of, of using, it sounds like more of it's an, like it's an agenda, but, uh, using movies aimed at children to like introduce certain filmic concepts to them in the same way that I liked Tim Burton's Batman and Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And so with this, I think if, if this had been in theaters and kids went to see it, I think there'd be a number of kids that would look at these visuals and say, I've never seen anything like this before. I love it. Even if they couldn't quite 
verbalize why it, it introduces this idea. Um, just as when I saw Batman Returns, I wasn't thinking like, wow, it feels like the internal is being expressed external. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that, but, uh, yeah, I really, it's on, it's on Netflix. If you're in the mood for like a fun Christmas movie and also just a really, really solid animated film, uh, I highly recommend it. All right. And then last for me is a film that you have, not, uh, not last, uh, last this, yeah, yeah. This chunk is uh, Clint Eastwood's Richard Jewell. Okay. Which I really liked, I would say. I really liked the movie as a a whole, and then I loved individual elements. Um, I will say that... reviews even positive reviews that i've read they 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 focus primarily on the performances which is understandable but i also feel like clint eastwood as a director when he when he's on there's a real there's a just a methodical but also meditative sense of pacing i love the way he uses not unlike oddly enough uh a million dollar baby i love the way he uses shadow in this film which you wouldn't expect um and uh so it's just I, because he is seen as such a straightforward director in a lot of ways. Uh, I think people, I think we forget to give him enough credit as a visualist. Um, and well, you mentioned pacing. That's a yeah. big thing because I, I was, uh, I don't know if you ever caught up with the mule. Uh, I did not un- underrated the mule. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's a movie that I, I I had this experience of watching, and it feels like a Clint Eastwood movie. It's very like straightforward, mm-hmm. one scene after another builds, sort of. And it, uh, I, it's sort of like by the time I got to the end, I, I, it snuck off of me that I was watching an ending that was essentially like a thriller, and I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, this is like suddenly very like not suddenly like gr- it was gradually, but I'm only suddenly yeah. realizing that this is intense. Like there's yeah. my heart's racing, uh, and he it, there's a, there's a couple sequences in Richard Jewell that I think of the same way that I it sneaks up on me that it's so he's so languid. It seems like that yes. suddenly when things, and I keep using the word suddenly when that's the opposite of what I mean, <laughs> when things become in, in intense, uh, he's able to ease into that. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, it's not jarring, uh, the shift. Um, and so, yeah, I, people have been talking about how this is sort of his with like American sniper and Sully. And now this, like the idea of these, these heroic figures uh, or like people rising to a certain challenge or whatever it is more, more uh, Sully. And then what is it? 15, 17, 17 to Paris. I yeah. Didn't yeah. See that one. I didn't see it. I heard bad things about it, but that fits into the, mm-hmm. the, the theme there. Um, yeah. This definitely felt a lot closer to Sully uh, tonally. I do. I really like, I do really like all the performances. Um, it's always weird talking about someone that, you know, whether it be our, you know, friend Rodney Asher or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, but I do think that Paul Walter Hauser does a really, really good job. That is a hard part to play because if you go too far in any direction, you make him into some type of caricature. Either you play the, the theme too much and it's like, Oh no, like we see him one, one way, but he's maybe a secret genius, you know, or you play him too much the other way and he is just a, a big dope. Uh, and you play, but if you, right in the middle, it's like, no, he's just someone with potential who's complete, who's notably imperfect, but means well, but also is a little bit yeah. naive. And he, he is kind of, uh, the power does go to his head in a no question. bad way. Yes. Like, that's something that, well, cause I watched it with my wife 
Natalie and she was like, um, you, you know, this is this character. She's not saying this with the real Richard Jewell. She didn't know sure. she's saying this, this character in another version of events, his life goes a bunch of different ways and sure. this ends up becoming one of those trigger happy cops who shoots an unarmed person, mm-hmm. you know, that he could be on the other side of that yeah. very easily. Yeah. Um, and, but there's a great, uh, speaking of performance, his performance is a great moment that I keep going back to when he first comes back home after the bombing and he's there all night and being interviewed and stuff. And he comes home and just walking in, he's just going a mile a minute talking to his mom and she's so worried. And then he has this like, Oh, I didn't even give you a hug. And then he like, they finally have this like little hug and his his great moment relation. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and talking about like, you could have been there like when, like with Kenny Rogers. And so like, it's, his relationship with his mom and just the real, the, it feels like they have a genuine shorthand like you would with, mm-hmm. with a relative. Um, I enjoy Sam Rockwell quite a bit as I always do. Um, yeah. I definitely, here's the deal. So the thing with the, the Olivia Wilde character, I definitely get the criticism on a couple levels. One is just the, portrayal of the press and i get it's the, there's like the idea of like the, the female reporter who sleeps with people for whatever um like i've i don't think that's that was necessary but i also feel like they just i feel like they just write her too simply mm-hmm. they just write they with the, the way they write and frankly the way she's played they do play the theme they do play uh the the agenda mm-hmm. and to me it's like no i would like it if she was just if she was essentially like Sally field in uh, absence of malice where she's ambitious, sure, but she absolutely feels like she's doing a good thing and that she's within her rights and, 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 and is not, is not ruining a man's life and is simply following the story and is maybe being a little bit, a little bit, uh, overzealous in that in that pursuit but so i think i would have liked that more than what they did play um and then i also i actually really like the way that john ham's character is is written and played once again he's also more of a villain but just like there's just something about the way that he is so dismissive of mm-hmm. <clears throat> like when he says like cop to cop, yeah. uh, it's just like, Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> like I yeah. get so, oddly enough, I was more upset with him than with her. Uh, cause I think with him, there's clearly an element of like wounded pride, oh, this yeah. feeling of like, how did I not see this? And this dumb overweight hick no, did, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so I really, I really responded to the film quite a bit, um, specifically the performances, but again, I don't want to underplay the directorial aspect of it as well. All right. So I, uh, the first of my two, both of mine, oddly animated movies, which I don't mm-hmm. watch very many animated movies, uh, anymore, but, um, uh, I watched frozen two. I was trying to think of the directors, Christopher Buck and Jennifer Lee. Is that mm-hmm. right? Anyway, I've watched Frozen 2. Did you see Frozen 2? No, I was going to see the screening, and then I was sick that day, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, Did you like the first one? I forget. I like the first one. Uh, I think more than you. Mm -hmm. uh, Not as much as, you know, some, especially, you know, a lot of children really like it. Um, I think, uh, um, like, watching Frozen or, like, watching Frozen 2, I didn't think about Frozen. I thought man, Moana's really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was like, I'm, I'm enjoying this, but I should watch Moana again. That's a good movie. Uh, which did you see Moana? Uh, no, we that own it, but great. I never, I never watched it. It's great. You should watch Moana. It's and really it, great. It, the first frozen. I remember thinking like, 
I really want to watch Tangled again. I really liked <laughs> Tangled. Um, but yeah, so uh, Frozen Two is is definitely not bad. It's definitely it has some really beautiful uh, scenes and and locations, especially you know you get. Uh, uh, a new location that isn't in because the first one has Arendelle and then it has sort of like the mountains. Mm-hmm. This you go the other direction, also in the mountains, but there's like a forest uh, where most of the action takes place, um, and it's more autumnal than than mm-hmm. wintry, and it's 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 very pretty. Um, there are some really thrilling uh, action sequences. There's a part where Elsa is trying to get to this island, and the the sea itself is trying to keep her from the island. The sea is angry that day. Uh, yeah. And the sea is personified by like a, a horse made of water. And so there's like this, like Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, that, I actually did think about that. Um, and so there's like a fight sequence between Elsa and a horse made of water. Oh, that's fun. That's really cool. Um, uh, so there's a, but yeah, there's a bunch of stuff like that that I thought was really cool. Um, I'll say, th- I, I think, um, I don't know, maybe some listeners who are more musical uh, theater type people than I am. I think the reason that I, the way I feel about the Frozen 2 songs is the same way about felt the Frozen songs, which is like, these are good, but they feel like a little too musical theatery for me. Yeah. Whereas Moana is like the musical theater songs, but they're also kind of pop songs. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, uh, I like that better or, uh, so, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was good. It was not quite as good as the original, but definitely not as much of a step down as you often expect from uh, a sequel. It's definitely worth worth watching. You know, it's interesting that you uh, say that. I, I think on Facebook I, I saw like an ad for the Frozen like stage musical. Um, and my first, and I think it's been around for a little while, but my first thought when I, when I heard that they were making one was like, that took longer than I thought it was going to <laughs> because yeah, when oh, I yeah, first yeah. saw it, I, I like some of the songs in the first frozen, uh, hate other ones. Um, like the rock troll song. And then the song at the beginning feels like it doesn't really fit, but I, see, I don't remember this as much as you do, but, uh, obviously like let it go is a really strong, powerful song that, and I like that whole sequence as well, but it definitely seems just made for the theater and the fact that it's voiced yeah. by Adina Menzel. Yeah, no, that's, well, that's a good There's point. that as well. Yeah, I don't find myself humming Let It Go the way I do songs from Moana, mm. like Shiny or the uh, whatever the first line, I've been standing by the edge of the water. That's a great song. Um, but uh, Into the Unknown is the big, It's it, it feels, this is mean to say it's the let it go of frozen two. Yeah. I don't know if it's that, if it was that, uh, uh, you know, schemed out or whatever, but the big Elsa moment, yeah. uh, from frozen two is into the unknown and, uh, the end credits. So the songs in the movie and then the end credits are into the unknown as done by panic at the disco. And I really like, it really makes you, not that I needed, should have needed any more help appreciating, appreciating Adina Menzel. But, uh, during the movie, I was like, okay, this is the let it go. The, and then when it was Panic of the Disco, I was like, oh, this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad song. Yeah. But Adina Menzel sells it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, good good for her. But good good fall for Adina Menzel between uh, yeah. Cut Gems and Frozen 2. All right, uh, what's next for you? Uh, so now we're getting into the rewatch section. Uh, I saw three movies that uh, some of them I haven't, two of them I haven't seen notably in three years, and then one a little bit longer. Uh, so Jen and her friend have been going through the entire MCU. 
All right. Wow. And so I stop in when I want and I skip other ones. So uh, yesterday was we're at 2016 now. So yesterday was Captain America Civil War and Doctor Strange. Okay. And so I'll talk about both of those quickly. Um, Civil War is a movie that I didn't really like at the time. And in watching it, watching it a second time, um, there are things that I really like. I tend to really like this, the individual scenes between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. Uh, I think both actors really play that well. Um, specifically when they're talking about like an ideological disagreement, it really feels like two friends that so badly want the other person to agree with them. Um, so those really work well. The, the big, uh, I know I've said this before, but like the big fight, which takes place on an empty airport tarmac on an overcast day, at like two in the afternoon, it's like not the most visually interesting. <laughs> um, and it also feels the fight is better than I remember, but it also still, it feels pretty low stakes. Um, I, I, I still, as much as I don't really care for the character or the movies, I still really appreciate the action that comes, the type of action that comes with Ant-Man. Um, and I think the addition of Spider-Man changes things as well. Like the, there's just a really virtuosic quality to both of those characters and how they fight. So I think they're the highlight of hmm. that scene. But to me, there is a scene like the, the climactic fight scenes between Iron Man, Winter Soldier and Captain America. And that one, no one's pulling punches. They actually want to hurt each other. Hmm. Uh, and you, you can tell it just feels so much more dramatic. And I'm like right there being like, holy shit, I can't believe that they are doing this to each other. Uh, and that is what I wanted the whole film to feel like. And I understand that if you have that throughout the whole film, then when you actually have that towards the end, it's not going to have the same type of power but remembering the event of civil war in the comic books like it was that the whole way it was heartbreaking it was a thing that you didn't want to be happening at any level and the fact that it only it only feels like that in like the final 10 minutes mm. on one hand makes a certain degree of sense but also it just means that for me i just don't it's not that I don't care. It's that I just am not as fully invested as I feel like the directors want me to be. Uh, but I did like it more this time than, than last time. And then speaking of astonishing action, Dr. Strange still, I, I love it even more now. Like it is one of my favorite movies in the MCU because it, there's just such creativity that goes into not just the visuals in general, but the way the action plays out as you, as we've talked about before, um, the idea it's just everything is the opposite the idea that when at the end when dr strange and his friends arrive the city has already been destroyed they missed that yeah. but then oh, he yeah. uses the time stone to reverse everything and then has a forward fight in a backward city uh and there, and he's trying to use that. So, like, there's a scene where he hits Mad Mads Mikkelsen uh, strategically so that he falls at the exact moment that a wall is putting itself back together, and he gets pulled into it, uh, and then is stuck in this wall. And then this yeah. this uh, one another character um, gets knocked into like. Uh, water from a bit that's spilling out of it that has spilled out of a big fish tank but now she's being she gets pulled into that and then is just inside a fish tank and it's like that's great I love it so much Uh, but then also the the true like 
confrontation between Doctor Strange and Dormammu is the exact opposite of what we expect. It's a situation where he simply dies over and over and over <laughs> again, rather than rather than survive, which is uh, sort of the prerequisite of, of succeeding uh, in action movies. Instead, he just chooses to die over and over. And it, I just love the... I think there's some some interesting themes going on about like humility and and that sort of thing, but just from a, a visualizing standpoint, um, it just feels so much more unique than the rest of the MCU. We've talked about sort of the bland visual quality of the MCU, and I feel like for the most part that doesn't really uh, apply to Doctor Strange, and so I'm I'm definitely excited. For the next one, because it's also Scott Derrickson is also doing the next one. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested. So I really I I love it so much. I'm never whenever because they're like we're actually bringing the horror to the MCU. Whatever, we'll we'll see. Yeah, (laughs) anytime there's something like this is an MCU movie, but blank, it's like maybe there's like 15 percent at best. Yeah, Um, between Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel. Stan Lee cameos, Stan Lee, secret public transit advocate, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, that's, that's a legacy he, that we've forgotten. We should look at him as a public transit advocate. And of course, uh, in, uh, infinity war, he decides to take a more active role and it becomes a bus driver. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, <laughs> yeah. He's a school, bus school bus driver. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about um, that. so yeah, I forgot that yet because I think of infinity, I think of infinity war and Endgame as one movie. I know I'm not supposed mm. to, but I, so I forget that he has two separate cameos yeah uh i think i like uh, i generally like everything about infinity war better than endgame but i mm-hmm. like the endgame stanley cameo a lot i don't He's remember like the, what the endgame it's in the flashback to uh or when they go back to when we meet uh when Tony meets his dad or whatever, you know, and he's like the anti-war. Oh yes. Uh, yes I can't remember what he right. says. He like gives a peace sign or something and drives yeah. by the military base. I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's uh, funny. I think I, I, I mean, I know it's not officially part of the MCU, but I really do like his, his cameo in uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I think that's cause it plays into like the theme where he's like selling the kid, like the, oh, the costume. Right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he also, yeah, there's, um, that and Big Hero Six are, the, are those his only two animated cameos? I th- there might be another one I'm not thinking of, but yeah, I think so. Okay, all right, uh, and then you have a third. Yes, you haven't seen it in quite a while. Yes, uh, it is. So Shout Factory has released a nice new a deluxe oh, yes. edition of John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China, a film which um, I think I have always been a bigger fan of than you. Is yes, that right? okay. yes. Um, I have never quite known how to take it because it just, it's so chaotic and I just, and it just, it, it all just felt so silly to me that I just wasn't invested. Um, watching it, uh, watching it again. And I don't remember the last time I saw it, but watching it again, knowing what it is. And frankly, as we've talked about before, when you get older, a little chaos sounds pretty good uh, in movies, and <laughs> sure. and so watching it this time, knowing what it was, I found myself actually welcoming the silliness and just the the ridiculousness of everything that's happening, and this feeling of like every new story beat is just ridiculous, is just is maybe dumb, uh-huh. but also <laughs> and also maybe more than a little kind of racist. Well, um, that's a good question because although like. The whole time I'm I'm watching, I'm like, it, f- 
feels like someone retroactively should have a problem with this. And yet no one seems to, which is interesting I, to me. Because I also wonder if it play, and this is coming from the perspective of two white guys, but one of the things that's so fat, it's so hilarious to me in a metatextual way about the movie is that it's just, it's the movie of a cocky, dumb white guy <laughs> insisting that he's the protagonist, when yeah. he's actually not. It's, it's his... Yeah like a Chinese buddy who actually does the only one who actually saves the day or does anything important. It's uh, until the very but, end until. Okay. Yeah. But, but for most of the movie, it, it, it does seem like it's, I think maybe it gets away with some of the stereotyping because it's commenting on the fact that this is often how white Americans have viewed the China or the Eastern world in, sure. in, in, in general. Uh, I don't know if there's anything to that, uh, to a Chinese viewer or if the, uh, that's just how I've, and I, I've wondered about it. I do think because strange as it may sound, I never really get the impression because even though it is, I'd say almost first and foremost, a comedy, um, action it's, it's between action. It's an action yeah. comedy. Yeah. Um, but despite it being a comedy, I never really get the impression that the movie is making fun of all of the stuff. It's, it's, it's looking at it with incredulity and looking at the absurdity of it, but no, but I think it's also just accepting it. Um, because I think you have a character like Victor Wong who takes it very seriously and we're sympathetic towards him. And so, uh, and then, and Kurt Russell, he also is actually not making fun of it, uh, and that he is also he's often the the butt of the of the joke as well. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting. Like there is, it would appear that there is a way to incorporate things from other cultures that we would see as just nuts. And also, I don't know how much of this is actually from oh, from sure, another yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I definitely enjoyed it a lot more this time. I chuckled a lot more this time. Um, and I just, you know, it's like, oh, there's this floating eyeball thing. All right. And like, yeah, there, here's this weird uh, Sasquatch monkey looking uh, thing that is horrifying. Um, and then there's the guy who gets so angry that he just expands and blows up with weird <laughs> green guts all over the place. It's just so silly and ridiculous and over the top. And and one thing I noticed this time that I didn't before is Kurt Russell's ridiculous boots. Um, I don't think I... Which, like, lace up. It's all very it's all very odd. But anyway, so the words that I just keep using over and over, ridiculous, silly, um, as that's something that when I... I think when I first saw it, I just wasn't ready for it. And I think I've seen it since... I, I saw it since then, still wasn't quite ready for it. It Everything just seemed so slight to me. But this time, it was like, I don't care. <laughs> I... It it just, it feels like everybody is having lots and lots of right. fun, yeah. and I will be as well. All right, uh, final movie uh, for me and for the episode uh, comes out in a few weeks here in the U.S. Um, Makoto Shinkai's Weathering with You, and uh, this is his follow up to Your Name, which I didn't see, but okay. uh, uh, among people I know who watch a lot of. Uh, animated movies from japan this is uh, your name is supposed to be one of the i've heard great things about it i guess um and whether any of you both did and didn't make me want to watch uh your name i'm kind of on the fence about this movie because uh the it has a kind of a complex storyline so i won't go too far into it but there's this sort of uh teenage runaway who comes to tokyo uh and uh meets a uh young 
a, teen, a teenage who's a boy, and then it meets a teenage girl who's living on her own uh, because her their parent her parents have died, and she's sort of secretly raising her younger brother uh, in this apartment together. Um, but then it turns out she is what well, I guess in the movie's folklore, this girl is what's called a sunshine girl, which is that she can make the sun come out if it's mm-hmm. raining. And the premise of the movie is that it's. Uh, takes place over the course of a summer in Tokyo in which it rains the entire time, the entire summer. So she, so he, and so the two of them start this business where people can pay her to come to their like flea market or soccer game or whatever and make the sun come out. Um, and that sounds all like whimsical and it is, but the movie's actually very, uh, uh, what's the there's a lot of portent in the movie sure. uh because it turns out as we learn that the sunshine girl thing is uh not a one-off it's a part of a we get this sort of fantasy folklore history of how important uh sunshine girls or sunshine maidens as they were uh, as they're called in feudal times or within the movie's logic uh is actually a much bigger more tragic thing and so the movie becomes very very huge and that's so some of it is um, some of the way that the movie uh, depicts female characters, especially young female characters, creeped me out a little bit. I have to, I have to admit. Um, is that is this is that a cultural thing? Because I, I do know, like uh, from other based on like other movies, that there's just kind of not necessarily overly sexualized, but it just definitely there's almost a coquettish uh, yeah and quality. It's not, like it's not even that they're sexualized so much. As the movie, the movie, ta- the movie, it talks about sex more than it needs. It's it's almost like a protesting too much thing. Oh, it's sure. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's too much of like, were you looking at my boobs? No, I wasn't looking at your boobs. But it's like, you could, you didn't. The scene didn't need that. Yeah, and the viewer's like, like, well, now I am. Yeah, why, exactly. why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Um, and I uh, anyway. Um, so th- that kind of stuff. Uh, and and the emotions I think are, are kind of um, superficial, but visually the movie is just so astounding. Mm-hmm. It's it's really <laughs> I I often have this thing when I'm watching animated movies. I want it to be like you're an animated you're animated. You can do anything. Let's be, let everything be as fantastical mm-hmm. as possible. But weathering with you, its depiction of Tokyo and of day to day, like down to like the font on a cup from McDonald's mm. or like down, you know, the way that, 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 uh, uh, G or not G, uh, I message works on an iPhone. Mm. Like everything is so meticulously recreated as in reality. I'm sure that even like the geography of like the streets, oh, I'm sure he went and like, uh, uh, recreated exact intersections and stuff. Everything is so realistic. So that when something magical happens, it seems just gargantuan. Yeah. You know, there's a, um, there's a, a part where she uh, is able to not just bring down sunshine, but bring down a lightning strike and it hits a truck and the truck explodes in the middle of an intersection and it's enormous and it's so like impressive. And then I don't want to you know, like the, the, the finale is also huge in the way that you expect from, from anime in which like the sort of rules of physics uh, don't necessarily apply anymore. And, mm-hmm. and, and you've got these tiny little human people in the middle of the, of the frame while clouds and waves and, and birds and stuff are like soaring around them. Mm-hmm. It's really, really impressive uh, and definitely worth, worth seeing visually. But uh, yeah, just 
don't invest too much in the story and uh yeah try not to look at these uh, animated teenage girls breasts <laughs> despite the fact the movie clearly wants you to <laughs> while saying it doesn't uh all right 